Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Booga, booga, booga. I have been bird? practicing for... No, is that a bird? Oh. Maybe it's a bird. I mean, I'm a bird. But, uh, no, that's that's a that's a scary, scary ghost. Oh. What was your booga, booga, booga? That's the guy who lives underneath the stairs. He goes booga, booga, booga. I think that's Groucho Marx in Night at the Opera. Oh. He says that at one point. He lives underneath your stairs. Oh, awesome. I love that guy. Yeah. I'm going under my stairs when I get home. So if ever you see a bunch of ash, it's from his cigar. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah. Isn't he dead? Uh, no matter. It's even creepier. <laughs> it's super. Oh my gosh, the ghost of Groucho Marx. So much better. Yeah. I would love that. So I have a present for you. Ooh, I like presents. It's something that came in the mail, and I thought this is for Kate, and it kind of relates to Halloween in that it involves a ghost. Ooh. All right. So here it comes. What did I get you? Good night, Bubala. Good night, Bubala. It's good night, Moon, with more Bubala. But it is not the book we are doing this week. Okay. So we really haven't done that many Halloween books this month. Uh, for various reasons, we've had Brazilians well, flying in. And... Okay, you say that we didn't do any Halloween books. Oh. However, I would disagree. What? Because Click Clack Mook, how's that type? Mm -hmm. I would say, thinking from the farmer's perspective, sure. change is scary. <laughs> Okay. And then the man who walks Stretch between the towers, that. heights are scary. Okay. And then the swallow and tomcat, time is scary. Okay. So these are all very philosophical. I don't know. Heights is human legit. fears. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. But I've never been to a haunted house and they're like, look, you're over a giant pit. You but know. did you ever go to a haunted house and be like, Oh, there's a mirror that shows me at 90 years old. That's terrifying. Well, because yeah, that's, that's true. That's time. That's time. No, I'll, I'll grant you and the time. And change. And change. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to count it because it lets me off the hook. Okay. That's all right. But today we got a legit, uh, you know, it's funny. The word Halloween may never appear in today's book, but I believe I pulled it out every Halloween when I was a children's librarian. This was one of the go-tos. One of the ones that I pulled out again and again. And before I pull it out of my bag, I'm going to say who wrote it. Because I think it's important to know this. It was written by a Mr. Alvin Schwartz. And the reason this is important is there's a, a movie that may have just left theaters, may still be in theaters. Are you familiar with uh, scary stories to tell in the dark? Yeah. Okay. So before he wrote those books, do you remember those books? Yeah. Right. So I'd love to do those, but they're Where's not picture books. my big toe? That's the one yeah. with the Stephen Gamble art. That that's actually, all I remember. Oh my of gosh, course, yeah, that's the only part that was scary. With like the, like the yeah, wiry with the, hair and no eyes. With no nose. Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite one too. <sighs> yeah. Stephen Gamble, a genius. Alvin Schwartz collected folklore. So that's why he collected all these scary stories. In fact, fun fact, 
Scary Stories 3, because he did three of them, he died, like, right after. Which is why we never got more Scary Stories. Yeah. Yeah. But before he did Scary Stories, he did today's book. So I'm going to pull it out of my bag. Interesting. I know. I can read. Nope. You know, no, you can. In a dark, dark room and other scary stories. That's right. Now you are holding. It does say I can read at the top. It does. Okay. It's part of the I can read series. So it's technically, these are, this is an easy book. That one. And it does work if you say it with the title. I can read in a dark, dark room. Yeah. So don't turn on the light. I say that to my husband all the freaking time. He's like, how can you read in here? Turn on the light. And I'm like, I can read in a dark, dark room. It came out in 1984. But then, oh, what's this? Oh, it's a twist. They re-illustrated it. I can read two. It's, well, it's the same one. But illustrated by a different guy in 2017. So the first book was illustrated by that Dirk Zimmer, originally uh-huh. of Germany. And the second one is illustrated by Victor Rivas, who lives in Barcelona. Oh. Because Americans are crap at scary art, they seem to be saying. Even though Stephen Gamble, born and bred American. You're going to take both of them. I'd like a little compare and contrast. Let's see which art is scarier. The oh. 1984 or the 2017. Okay. While Kate compares two different Alvin Schwartz books, I'm going to give you a little background on the man. How much do you know about Alvin Schwartz? Now, the funny thing is, when I lived in New York, I never heard anyone talking about, oh, Alvin Schwartz, he was always around, we always hung out. I've never heard from anyone who knew him. This is not to say he wasn't around, um, but he died in 1992. Uh, He died of lymphoma uh, at 64, which is quite young, in my opinion. Now that I'm in my 40s, that is quite young. Uh, he His writing career was actually sort of a sideline venture he did to help support his family. Um, technically, he, in the course of 30 years, published 50 books. His last books, as I mentioned to Kate, were two bestsellers. One was called Ghosts, and the other one was Scary Stories 3. Now, he was always a folklorist first. Um, for example, a series of his books on folklore for children, which were illustrated by Glenn Rounds, uh, had titles like A Twister of Twists, A Tangler of Tongues. That was in 1972. He also did books called Tomfoolery, or Wit Cracks, or Cross Your Fingers, Spit in Your Hat. And that one was about superstitions. Uh, generally speaking, he was a prolific man. Oh! You're going to make my dog howl if you do that. Oh, okay. I won't do that then. But I, I wanted to do something appropriately Halloweenish that wasn't ghosts. Ah. Uh, yeah, so you've read two books with the same text, supposedly. I did. Interesting. It was the same text. Okay. The only thing that was different was the information on the author at the end. Oh. I guess because he was alive in one of them and he well, was dead in the other. Well, it's... Not so much that, it's just they... Well, I'll get to it at the end. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get to that point, yeah. And really, one of the things I noticed that was a big differentiator between the illustrations of the old and the illustrations with the new Mm -hmm. is that the old version had this black cat show up every other story and on the foreword, and the new version just has it on the cover. That's the only time you see the black cat. So you're right. Which I just thought was interesting. So if you want to, like, 
go through the old version and try and find the black cat. It's in every other story. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Kids like that stuff. And I, I, I noticed that in this new version, it's got a skeleton man who looks like a dead Jerry Garcia booping someone's nose. <laughs> Boop. <laughs> For the most part, I would say that the new book has scarier drawings, except for the very first story, which is called The Teeth. Yes. I think this is definitely a scarier version because the man that has the <laughs> teeth, I think, is much scarier in this Whoa, one. Whoa, he is he has, super sketchy. He's got, Exactly. He's got a long trench coat. Yeah, he's got a trench coat. He's got, a, you know, not well, maybe Stubbly. more than a five o'clock shadow. Yeah. He definitely looks more sketchy. And he's also standing by a trap door. And oh, and that's not a trap door. That's those doors in they have in New York City where that's the only way you can deliver to a store is that's how you get to the basement. So they have them on the street. And so why is he standing right by one, Betsy? Well, because they're everywhere, man. It's <laughs> creepy. But then the most creepy thing is that when he shows his teeth, he has red pupils. Oh yeah, that is way scarier. That's super scary. And it's funny the guy in the new version he just looks like a rotund. Gentlemen, yes. though his teeth are, as a result, slightly frightening there. Well, in yeah. the new version, when you get to the very last man who has the longest teeth, uh-huh. you can't even quite understand how his lips can wrap around yes. all of those teeth. But, yeah. And it's very Tim Burton-y, in, in my it opinion. It is very Tim Burton-y, yes. So the next story is The Graveyard, which... The old version... All the men are super scary in the old version, man. Well, in the old version, they look like they just died, right? Yeah, Whereas yeah. in the new version, it looks like they're all in different stages of decay. Oh, my. I mean, one of the corpses is even missing an eyeball. Right. And then they turn into zombies at the end, which these guys in the old version just look like they woke up from a really bad night's rest. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not dead. They're just, you know, they have crazy hair. And... I'm feeling better. <laughs> I'm going to go for a walk now. Oh, I'm not fooling anyone. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely a big difference between the two there. Mm-hmm. The next one is called the green ribbon, which I think is way scarier in the old version, mainly because of the doll on the, oh. Which just kind of... Scary dolly. Which the doll doesn't show up anywhere else. It's just on this very first yeah. page of, like, the title page. Yep. But my question for this story is, so there's this girl who wears a ribbon around her neck. Correct. And she falls in love with this man named Alfred. And Alfred asks her, so why do you wear this green ribbon? She doesn't tell him. Eventually the two fall in love, get married, mm-hmm. and he asks... So, will you tell me now that we're married why you wear this green ribbon? She says no. So, would you marry someone if you knew that they were holding a secret from you? I don't know. If it was something as ridiculous as, like, a ribbon around their neck, I'd just be like, eh, you know, it's a quirk. Yeah, but what else are they hiding? Right. Well, Who knows if it's just the ribbon? I know that in the graphic novel by Alan Moore, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, there's a woman who always wears a scarf around her neck, and that's because she was horribly mangled by vampires. Oh, interesting. So there's, there's that possibility. <laughs> well, I just like in the old version, so when they remove, you know, she's on her deathbed, she mm-hmm. says, okay, you can untie the ribbon, and you'll see why I couldn't tell you before. So he unties the ribbon, and then her head falls off. <laughs> well, in the old version... The cat is there, yeah, and he's looking at this head on the ground like, so you're not going to feed me? 
That's that is exactly what he's thinking. So to the is, head, yeah. yeah. So this yeah. is not happening, right? So I need right. to go to the guy now. Is that is that the situation here? I'm just making sure. No, just... It's a very accurately cat-like <laughs> expression, yeah. So the next story is in a dark, dark room, which was turned into a pop-up picture book, I should say. Well, yeah. I feel like the new version understands what dark means. <laughs> Because the old version doesn't quite grasp that... In a day-for-night room. <laughs> right. In a maybe sort of four o'clock in the afternoon room. In a, in a midnight sun kind of place. <laughs> right. It doesn't quite understand dark. Yeah. But also, I find it interesting that the two books, or that the two versions, had different interpretations of what a chest means. Like yes. A, like a chest of drawers. Yeah. Oh. One's or, a chest of drawers. Well, it's it's more like a chest on a, like a side table. I don't know. It's a, That's uh-huh. what they're calling a chest, whereas this the is new like version is like... A chest at the, where the treasure like, would go in. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the old version, that kind of chest is considered a box. Right. I don't know, I just thought that was interesting. But, it's a little backwards. But the new version, that ghost yeah. scares the crap out yeah, of the, me. Yeah, I gotta give <gasps> I gotta give new Rebus uh, in a dark, dark room the point on this one, because that old ghost was... The thing is, you're supposed to read it, if you're reading it to someone, then you're like, in that dark, dark room, there was a dark, dark chest. And then you go on, and you're like, and in that dark, dark box, there was a ghost! And then you like put it in their face, and you just this scared, one would actually you just scared my dog to have oh, to death. I did, I did. See, it works. <laughs> I buy, and I could have done that with Mister Goblin over there from the uh, well, the old previous edition. It's a ghost, but he's definitely more goofy. Yeah, I mean, his eyes are crossed. What's the name it's... of the um, poltergeist in Harry Potter? Peeves. Peeves. I'd call him somewhat peeve-like. Uh, he's a bit peevish. He's a bit ooh. <laughs> I cannot believe I let that on the table and then yeah. walked away and you just picked it up like it was nothing. To. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next story, The Night It Rained. This is your typical ghost hitchhiker story. I think this may even be in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but it's like a girl and it's a prom night, that kind of thing. I mean, right. this is a pretty a, classic it's a, folklore yeah, it's a typical story. story. Mm-hmm. But what I found interesting with this one was in the new version... Most of the illustrations for all of the stories are kind of set in a Victorian time. This is the only story where it seems more like maybe 40s or 50s. Yeah, the the guy in the car, it definitely has a 1940s, 1950s. The the guy driving the truck has sort of a collegiate sort of look to him. And then I guess it has a car in it, so it had to not be Victorian. So... Rebus's right. hand was forced with this one. To a kid today, the 40s is just as distant as the... As the Victorian era. As the Victorian era, yeah. yeah. The next story, The Pirate. I think the older version did a better job with this. Oh, because hmm. at the end, you know, you know, this girl is told that there's a pirate haunting her bedroom. And she mm-hmm. looks all over her bedroom. She can't find it. And then at the very end, she says, Oh, well, I guess there's no one in this room but me. Mm-hmm. But then a big voice said, and me, or, mm-hmm. and, and, and me, and me. Well, in the old version, you don't see the ghost. Oh, that's an interesting choice. Wait, that is a very interesting, yeah, the, you know, disembodied and voice, way scarier. Way scarier than actually seeing, I guess, a ghost of a pirate. It's, you know, I think the original illustrator realized that I don't care how you draw a pirate, 
It's just not that scary. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought the old version did a better job with the pirate. I would agree. And then the last one is the ghost of John, which I love in the old version. Number one, the, the skeleton just looks really cold. He looks really awkward. He's like... His, like, one knee is kind of, like, bent towards the other. Does have a sweater? Yes. But then also you have this owl that's like, I just want to go to sleep, but I'm really curious of what's going on, so I'm just going to look without looking. Yeah. And he opens one. up one eye and he's like, what, mm. what do we got going on here? Okay, that's, that's what, what I thought it was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, though, would Where, give credit to the new one. The new one looks like the guy is like the host of a cabaret. No, he's clearly the host of cabaret, but he's wearing spats, and I automatically give points to spats. Welcome, yeah, <laughs> Hello, Welcome. my baby. Hello, my honey. <laughs> yeah, that's dearly, clearly what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely two very different versions of the ghost of John. Well, here. because the line is, "Wouldn't it be chilly with no skin on?" And this guy is chilly, and this guy is not. Right. Right. So why isn't the ghost chilly in the new one? I maybe he is, but he's covering up because he's such a showman. <laughs> yeah. So, so right, so as I said, the, really the only difference in the text between the two is the about the author. So mm-hmm. the new version takes out the mention of his book's tomfoolery, a twister of twists, a tangler of tongues, and flapdoodle. Those three books are not mentioned, but everything else is the same. Very interesting. Yeah, they just shortened it. Yeah, I want to <laughs> give him credit, by the way. He had, in an easy book, mind you, a bibliography, or at least he's citing his sources where each yep. of these tales came from. And they which, do that in the old version, too. Yeah, and I find that very interesting. I mean, he was a, a folklorist, but, you know, back then, people took credit for stories they didn't actually write all the time. Mm-hmm. They were like, I found it somewhere, it doesn't matter where. And he actually is like, I got this one from here, I got this one from here, I got this one from here. He gives page numbers and dates and all sorts of stuff. So yeah. he does say the green ribbon is based on a European folk motif. What I, in my very brief research, found was that the green ribbon is derived from a French story of unknown origin, which was popularized in Washington Irving's 1824 short story, The Adventure of the German Student. Which I like, because as terrifying stories go, the adventure of the German student doesn't sound very terrifying. Nine. Nine. (laughs) Nine! No. Uh, All right. Ratings time. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We're we're here already. So I think this is a very fun, easy reader, scary book. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that this is ideal for... Or, like, I'm going to read this to you every night. Like, it's not one of those... Well, it's for kids reading on their own independently, I'd say. That's what the easy the easy books are. Um, but no, I it think... does say reading with help, but that just means it's a slightly higher level than the easy, easy stuff. I, I just wouldn't say that this is a book that you could pick up on a Tuesday afternoon, on a Sunday morning. Like, I mean, I guess you could, but... Well, it... my question... Okay, I have a question for you. Did you grow up reading scary stories to tell in the dark? I read it as a kid. Right. Yeah. On your own, right? Yes, but I was much older. Right. But let's say you were not a great reader, um, and you needed books that held your interest, but you had a low reading level. Wouldn't these books apply for those kids who would want to read, you know, yeah. scary stuff, but yeah. uh, but they don't want babyish books? Yeah, but how many kids would you say are interested in reading scary things or being scared in general? You know, it's a significant chunk of the of the population, I'd say. Uh, I remember when I worked as a children's librarian. Yeah, you get periodic kids coming up saying they want something scary. But this, I would give 
Yeah, older kids. Yeah, well, it, I mean, what, it depends what on the age kid. range. I mean, these are pretty easy readers. They are. So I'd say eight and nine year olds, honestly. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like my daughter, this would be about. I mean, she she can obviously read above this level, but yeah, she this would be fine for her. I'd say. Hmm. But it depends on the kid, right? I mean, every kid's different. Some kids can handle it. Some kids would take one look at this cover and be like, yo, no, not for me, thanks. Well, yeah, if you're not into the Tim Burton style, um, maybe... And honestly, I think the old cover is accurate because it's not as scary. Right, so, I agree. So they kind of upped the scares when they republished it, which is they interesting. Did. yeah. So that was a conscious decision on somebody's part. Yeah. Yeah. Except for that pirate. Yeah, well, that, you know. They noticed they, they left that to the end. Like, then the lame one goes at the end. There you go. I would give this an eight. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Wow, you thought ahead. I hadn't actually come up with my number yet. Uh, <laughs> I guess, I mean, it is a Halloween classic. I, 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 would bring, well, I would bring the old version out every single year. It would go instantly. But not even, take off the word Halloween. Oh, yeah, if you don't even do Halloween, oh, it's, I mean... Yeah, I'd say I, I'm be actually be a little lower than you. I'd say seven. Okay. But well, I originally said seven point five, but then you made me change my mind to an eight when you said I'm very persuasive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, when you said that, you know kids like scary no matter they do they no do matter when so yeah, but I'm still sticking with my seven. So. Okay. Yeah. So definitely a classic. It's a classic. Yay! Yay! Wunderbar. We've been doing, been doing a lot of classics lately. Okay, I'll bring you something real crap next week. I had something in mind. I'll have to figure out if I can find it. Okay. Letters time. Ooh. Boop, 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 boop. This one comes from Erica. Hello, Erica. Hello. She says, Kate and Betsy. Okay. She I obviously has been listening already. to the show. She's yeah. my favorite. She put it in the incorrect. <laughs> it makes sense to end with the single syllable name. Does it? Yeah. No. Do, do, and do. It just sounds better. Do and do, do. No. <laughs> You're do, do. You're a do, do. <laughs> this is what she says, however. I love your podcast. Thanks. I am binge listening to your older episodes and just listened to the one about Harris Burdick. Ah. I have an answer to the Wikipedia article that mentions the, quote, new picture that was found in the broken mirror. So if you listen to uh, that episode, there was, yeah, this was in there. And she says, sometime in the mid-1990s, there was a portfolio version of the book released. The portfolio is unbound, and I believe the pages are 8 by 12. The preface mentions the lost illustration found behind the mirror, and that illustration, title, and caption are included in the portfolio. This is the version I used for writing prompts with my third grade classes. So this is very interesting. Apparently they released this faux portfolio to writing teachers as prompts, um, which is brilliant. Mm -hmm. uh, well done, publisher there. I also have a possible explanation for why Stephen King's wife has a story in the Chronicles of Harris Burdick. Go on. I shall. When that book was published, I had the opportunity to attend an MPR interview with Chris Van Allsburg and Kate DiCamillo at the Fitzgerald Theater in St. Paul. I remember Chris saying that Stephen King had already written a story based on one of the illustrations. It had already been published in a collection of short stories for adults, if I am remembering correctly. Chris said it was Tabitha King who had suggested that Stephen write a story based on one of the illustrations. He encouraged her to write one as well. Both of those stories were included in the Chronicles. Huh. Thanks for a great podcast. 
Aw. Well, nice. Yeah. I love it when people come up with additional information that I just did not know. Yeah. These things. That's great. If any of you people listening have seen Alvin Schwartz speak in a theater somewhere <laughs> about the creation of this book, please write in at gmail.com. That's right. <laughs> Grown up things we like. So mine's very Halloween-y. So you want me to go first or second? I want you to go first. Okay. So it's three things, but Ooh. they all have the same theme, which is zombies. Oh! I thought it would be... Yeah. Right. So for the adults, I saw Zombieland 2, double tap. And how was it? You know, it's fun. Not as good as the first. Mm. Um, but it makes you laugh and... You know, there's a special guest in it that's very funny. Oh, so good. Oh, good. It's, you know, it's entertaining. Okay. I'll give it that. But not yeah. as good no, as number one. Right. For the kids, uh, I would recommend the game Zombie Dice. It's Ooh. literally just dice. It's $10 on Amazon. It's really easy to learn. There's no board. Um, and it's zombies. So what can go wrong? And then Do for the dice die and then they come back at some point? Nope, or? you have to um, collect a certain number of brains before nice. uh, you get shot. Okay, so. that's fun because <laughs> that's a game where you can just go brains. You could, yeah. Excellent. And that's all I require of any game. And so. it's just dice, so nice. it's, it's easy to learn. And then for the pets, well, specifically for the cats... Um, I have made a zombie catnip toy, and so and I did it as a blog post way back in the day. So I can give you the link that if you want to share with others. Sure, give it to me. Yeah, they want to make their own zombie catnip toy. That's a very weird thing to want to make for your cat, but I appreciate its existence in this world. No problem. Very nice. I uh, tonight went to the American Writers Museum here in Chicago, Illinois. You ever been to the American Writers Museum here in Chicago, Illinois? Nope. It's a delight, my friend. It is. Is it just a bunch of writers sitting around a table no. and you just get to gawk at them? Yes, that would be amazing, like, that's actually. That's what a writer looks like. Ooh, I've never seen one before. <laughs> nope, but there's an entire room of typewriters that you can try different typewriters and see how they play. There are all these um, interactive elements. There's like this huge, uh, oh, I can't even, like, there's a corner of the room where like it keeps lighting up different sentences. There's touch screens everywhere. There's lots of word games. There was like virtual magnetic poetry it was it looked like a tabletop with magnetic poetry and you could move around but it was just a huge screen there was all sorts of fun stuff but the reason i was there is that we have a publisher here in town in chicago it's called source books and it's the only publisher independent publisher i think or any publisher in america that was started by a woman oh and uh it continues to do very well to this very day it's been around for a while and they had a lot of authors and they gave me a great big bag and the authors all spoke now, I don't truck with the adult authors much, and I certainly don't truck with the YA, but they had a lot of great people there, including uh, Kimberly Jones and uh, Jilly Siegel, who wrote I'm Not Dying With You Tonight. Uh, Kimberly Jones, uh, former, former circus clown. Oh, so that was fun. Cool. And uh, Jilly used to be in the Israeli army, so all sorts of interesting background there. Cool. There's a new book coming out in 2020. This is adult uh, called Me and White Supremacy. There's also the Me and White Supremacy workbook, which is coming out at the same time. And much later next year, there will be a children's version of Me and White Supremacy. Interesting. My library is going to eat that up. Uh, the only woman in the room, Marie Benedict. This should look familiar because I believe I gave you... They gave the, had this film canister yeah. where this book was in it. This yeah. is... Uh, the story of Hedy Lamar, but a fictionalized novelization. Marie Benedict was there. Very cool. There was a very tall, handsome man. His name was Billy Jensen. 
he was the man who finished I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Uh, do you remember this book? It was written by Michelle McNamara, then she died partway through. It was about the Golden State Killer. Comes out, and then they caught the Golden State Killer, uh-huh. shortly based on a lot of the research that she had done. Oh, interesting. Um, this is his own uh, search. Uh, he, you know, he was a true crime writer, and then he started solving murders, including one here in Chicago. Whoa. And it's terrifying and fascinating. Fun fact, most current serial killers are in Ohio. Taking advantage of the opioid crisis. Whoa. Oh, there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff there. And then finally, um, there's a rapper by the name of Lush Life. Uh, He wrote one of the most popular picture books of last year. P is for Pterodactyl, the worst alphabet book ever. (laughs) Uh, It's by Raj Halder. And uh, he was great. And uh, and this is a very funny book. Um, It's the only book... Where, you know, you look it up a bit. Books <laughs> and you the back go, of it is T is for Tsunami. <laughs> yes. T is for Tsunami. The charging Tsunami washed away all of Tchaikovsky's tchotchkes. Wow. Yeah. He does this all the way through. It's one of, usually with an alphabet book, you go to X to see how they cheated. This is the first alphabet book I know where you know X is going to be fine. Right. Because X because does not sound like X. Every example has been cheated. <laughs> exactly. Um, but my personal favorite, uh, C is for Czar. Shh. The fascinating czar is secretly part Czech. <laughs> what? It's a really good book. That's so, so cute. Yes. So you got a good stash. Source books is my grown-up thing I like today. This is very cool. Hometown pride. I think uh, both of our grown-up things were very good. I agree. They were both remarkable. But mine was scarier. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, but mine oh, had serial killers. Oh, yeah, yours is scarier. Mine had serial killers. No, okay, I don't think you enough. can. Serial killers versus that. zombies. Which exactly. would you rather have? Oh, gosh. One's real and one's not. So I'm going with the zombies because they're not real and that's okay with me. Are you sure they're not real? I don't know. What's I that d- noise, Betsy? I d- I okay. <laughs> I've been busy. Okay. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at fusekate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kine, and our zombie wrangler is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Burke.